Father, we thank you tonight for your love for us. We thank you as a church for our former pastor, Pastor Stephen Mary. We thank you for the assignment that you've given to them in this season. And we just pray that every dollar that is given in the offering tonight would go to support the work that you have called them to. And we ask, Lord, that it would multiply, that every dollar that we put into this ministry would multiply, and we would see pastors and leaders and people equipped and trained for the work of ministry all over the world. We pray that many people would come to Christ as a result of what we're doing here right in this moment. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. They're going to go ahead and pass the uh, baskets. As we do that, I just have something that I want to bring to you tonight by way of a message, and if you want to know the title of it, there are no notes. If you're from our church family, we usually have a discussion guide, we usually have notes. Tonight, we have no notes, we have no PowerPoint, so you're just going to have to trust that everything I'm saying comes right out of the good old Bible. I do read from the New American Standard Version. My message title is, A Light in the Darkness, A Light in the Darkness, in Genesis the first book of the Bible, I was drawn here tonight to just open our time and share with you very briefly about the creation account. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, here's what the Bible says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, verse 3, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And from this, we conclude that God is the creator of all that we know. We know that something was not created out of nothing. I was just looking at my watch a little earlier, and some craftsmen made this watch. It may not be the most expensive watch in the room, but I'm not looking at you. But somebody made this watch. It's complicated. It's complex. And in the same way, God is the creator over all that we see and all that we know. This was created. There's no cosmic, just this came out of nothing. We know that God is the creator of all things and all that we know. This scripture validates that, verifies that. We believe that. And we read that before human beings were created, the earth was dark. But something happens in verse 3. It says, then God said, let there be light. And his voice, his word, has power to do just that. Let there be light. And it says that the darkness was dispelled. This is what happens when light shows up. It dispels darkness. Darkness can only exist in the absence of light. We know that. Anybody that turns their light off at night understands that you turn your light on. When light comes into the room, darkness flees. God created the sun to light the day, the moon to light the night. These, these are the sources of light, and they were required to bring forth life. And you know this if you study biology or anything like that, that in order for life to exist and to flourish, light is required. And so God creates everything after the light shows up. We see this. If you continue to read the Genesis account of creation, you see that God creates vegetation, he creates all of the various things. And then finally, last but not least, he creates you and I in the form of Adam and Eve. And what's interesting is that this isn't the end of the story. It would look like as God continues to create 
human beings, we flourish in relationship with God, and that actually is true. This is a beautiful picture of God creating all things, including human beings. But there's something that shifts and happens. We see in Genesis chapter 3 that a spiritual darkness enters into our world, and we know this to be sin. God makes Adam and Eve, Genesis 2 details the account. He begins a beautiful relationship with them. The Bible actually says that they walk together, they talk together. It says, in the cool of the day, God walked with and talked with Adam and Eve, the first human beings. And to sum it all up, Adam and Eve were told by God not to do something specifically. And not long after they were told, they did just that. They disobeyed God. We call this sin. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, the first book of the Bible, we see that Men and women didn't last long before they turned away from the one that created them, the one that made them for relationship. This was our purpose, to be with God, to walk with God, to know, to know God. And they did what God told them not to do. Sin enters our world. This is spiritual darkness. All over the Bible, it continues to talk about darkness. This, this metaphor of darkness shows up, and it's used then as a metaphor for what our hearts are like as human beings. We lost our way. We lost our purpose. We became wayward, and then we, we seek out everything that might fulfill us, everything that might fill us. This is what all of us have done in one way or another. Every human being that was born after the time of Adam and Eve, were, they were born into a world of spiritual darkness where our hearts were dark. And we compare ourselves to one another and say, I'm not that bad. That's what religion teaches us. I'm not that bad, but they're that bad. But the Bible says that everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And fallen short. This is what the Ten Commandments teaches us. That you've lied. We've lied. I mean if I was looking at a mirror I'd be speaking to myself. We've lied. We've cheated. We've been prideful. We've lusted. We've coveted. We've done these things. And it shows us that we need something more powerful than ourselves To bring us back to what we were originally created for. Sin is darkness. And if we haven't been convinced of that. I, I don't know if I have enough time to try to convince you tonight. But I certainly would try. But I don't, I don't think I have to go very far to look all of you in the eyes and say, we live in a world where darkness touches all of us, whether it's our own darkness or that of, of others. We look at the violence and the hatred and the selfishness. We were created for more than just surviving and living and getting to the end of our life and wondering what it was all for and what it was all about. We were created for relationship with God. How far we've fallen. How far we've fallen. We were meant to flourish with him. Throughout history, in the Old Testament, it's recorded many prophecies that point to this coming Messiah, a Savior who will make all things new, because this darkness was perpetuated. It continued to grow and grow and grow in the hearts of men and women throughout history. We read about it in our even modern history books, but the scriptures point to a Savior that would come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, you might know this verse. We share this verse during Christmas season. It says, the people who walk in darkness, which is human beings. We'll see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. This, this scripture, this prophecy, was a, it was a hopeful, prophetic word that something and someone was coming that would shine light into darkness. It put hope into the people of Israel who carried the promises of God on his behalf for years and years and years. And what we learn from the scriptures is that without divine intervention, human beings will not only live in darkness, but will stay in darkness. It will be perpetuated in our world. Now we try, I try to pretend that it's not that bad, but the pain and the trauma and the betrayal and all that we experience continues to be the teacher that we need 
to show us that darkness is really bad. And But Jesus comes, and we realize that he is the light that brings darkness, or that dispels the darkness, because that's what light does. He is the hope for humanity. Although we turned away, God still made a way. And that rhymes, so you're welcome. (laughs) Jesus is the light of the world. God has not only brought forth light into the darkness of our natural world, but he is also bringing forth light into the darkness of our hearts. The Apostle Paul continues to share this kind, this concept, actually, later on, he says that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came as a baby, he lived among us for 33 years, he lived a sinless life, he voluntarily went to the cross because he died in our place. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it says that the wages of our sin is death, that every person is going to stand before a righteous and holy God who created them for loving relationship, and we stand with our own righteousness not how we were created to be. And Jesus comes and he dies in our place and he offers us reconciliation with the Father. God wants to draw us back. That's why the story of Christmas is so powerful. That's why Jesus' coming is so magnificent. That's why I'm up here talking to you about it today. The story of Christmas is powerful. Doesn't the story of Christmas sometimes get hijacked? We saw that in the drama it gets hijacked for so many other things. I, I don't mind tradition. I didn't grow up with a lot of tradition. I know some of us were, grew up Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Methodist. I don't know where. There's a lot of other things I'm not aware of. I didn't. I grew up off and on going to a Pentecostal church, and we didn't know what tradition meant. That's funny if you know what that means. That's, but that's, we, you missed that. It's okay. I didn't have many traditions growing up. I didn't have any liturgy. And so religion, and actually church, was always ritual without reality. It was tradition without transformation. It was, I will tolerate sitting through whatever happens for an hour, and in our case, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. We'll get you through. I would tolerate it. I remember being a 16-year-old boy, and I'd be sitting in the back. Ben, right where you are. I love your name. Your name's the same as mine. I love you, man. Got a good name. Best name in the room, my opinion. I'd be sitting back there, 16-year-old boy, not listening to the preacher, didn't care. Every now and again, something would hit me, and he would give an invitation to come to know Jesus, and I would be like, oh, that's, that's not for me. I would be challenged, though. I just wouldn't let anybody know about it or see it. I was 16, 17, 18, then 19 came, and all the difficulties, the trauma, betrayal, the sin, all of a sudden, I was super messed up, and I saw that darkness was really dark, and I reached out for Jesus as a 19-year-old young man, even though I had sat through church service after church service, infrequently as it was growing up, never responding to the gospel of Jesus. But I thank God that every one of those was a seed planted. And I know that I'm speaking to some of us, maybe you're here tonight and you haven't given your heart to Jesus and you're like, are you giving me that pitch? You're right, I am. But I'm not ashamed to do that because I know what darkness actually is. And I stand up in front of you tonight For those of you that are family and following Jesus, I I wouldn't say to you that I'm just encouraging you to continue to follow him, but if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, everything in me compels me to tell you that that is the best decision that you could ever make, and it is the only decision that matters at the end of your life. There are many others that follow, but that is the first and most important one. Look at what John chapter 1 verse 1 says. 
I'll read through the verse of five. If, verse five, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, this is talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This, this doctrine, this is the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ. He's the eternal son. He was not created. He was there during creation, the eternal son of God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, light brings life. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. And we jump down to verse 14 in John chapter 1, and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory, the glory as, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This, is, this scripture right here, if you don't know this, this is called the incarnation of God. Fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ. God became man and dwelt among us. What that means is that we needed a Savior and not one person, not one human being could be that Savior on our behalf. God had to come and do his own business for you and I. This is the kind of God that we're talking about today. Jesus Christ came to give his life. He came vulnerable, but he's coming back victorious. We celebrate this today as we call this the incarnation. Jesus is the light in the darkness. He's the hope for humanity. He's the hope for you, and he's the hope for me. The coming of Jesus was prophesied hundreds of times. Let me just go ahead and bullet point some of these prophecies. And this is really important too. If you find yourself skeptical of the Bible or you find yourself skeptical of the reality of Jesus, it's important to know that the Bible is this historical book that's the reality that God has given to us. It's full of truth. And when you don't study it, you don't know about it, but there were prophecies that were given in the Old Covenant that came true in the person of Jesus Christ. If they were easily debated, it would be on the news tomorrow. One of those prophecies that he would be born in Bethlehem, that happened. That he would be a descendant of King David, that was true. That he would be born of a virgin, that was Mary, we just saw the drama. That he would be preceded by a messenger, that's John the Baptist. That he would be a miracle worker in his ministry, that happened. Books are written about him, time is defined by him. That he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that's Judas. That he would suffer and die for the sins of the world in Isaiah 53. He did that. This is a historical reality. That he would be the light of Israel and a light to the Gentiles. That every man, woman, and child would have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ personally and be reconciled to their heavenly father. John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus says this about himself. Jesus spoke again saying, I am the light of the world. Now listen, he who follows me will not walk in darkness but he will have the light of life. We've come tonight to celebrate Jesus Christ coming, the birth of Christ, that a light has entered the world and it dispels darkness, not just temporarily, but eternally. You might say, Ben, well, there's a lot of darkness still after Jesus has come 2,000 years ago, but when the light shines in your heart, he dispels the darkness from within, and now you get to spread the life and the light of Jesus Christ. As we walk with him, this is the beautiful picture of what Jesus does both in us and through us. I told you at 19, I received the light of Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And I don't regret it. That was 21 years ago. And here I am today talking to you fine, wonderful people. And you look good, by the way. You look great. Jesus came because we needed intervention. He lived a sinless life to show the way of life. 
He was crucified. He willingly died in our place. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. This is the gospel that we preach. This is the good news. It confounds people that think they're wise. But I've sat with a number of people at the end of their life, and I know what it's like at the end. Not personally, but I've sat with a number at the end of their life, and I know what gets said in those moments. What did I spend my life doing, and what was life about? Until light shines in our heart, until we receive the Lord Jesus, it doesn't dispel the darkness. And then life comes when we do. Life, purpose, understanding, revelation of who God is and what life is actually about. Let me ask you a question. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins? Have you done that? Have you made that decision tonight? If you haven't, let me encourage you to do just that. Jesus wants to forgive us of our sins, and because of this, we now have that relationship that this was all about. This is the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. It's why we celebrate the birth of Christ, isn't it? It's an awe and a wonder. I thought and prayed about it even just not many minutes ago. I said to the Lord, restore to us the awe and the wonder of you sending your son, the one and only, the begotten of the Father, to give your life for me. Go ahead and personalize it. Jesus came for you. This is the love of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light in the world. He wants to dispel our darkness. And let me say to you also tonight as I close, Jesus is not the hope for a better life. He is the hope for eternal life. That's what the baby came for. He came vulnerable, didn't he? He entrusted himself as a child into the very ones that he was going to die and give his life for. Can you picture that? This is vulnerable. No, no other religion in the world speaks like this. A God that's willing to stoop down low and give his own life for his creation because he loves them that much. I've not seen anything like it. I've not experienced anything like it. And I know many, if not all of us in this room, can say the same thing. I was thinking about um, my wife uh, when she was a single mom. Part of her story was that she was invited by one of her neighbors to church. My wife grew up in a non-Christian home, and she ended up becoming pregnant at 15, had her first son at 16. She was a teenage mom. And here comes Isaiah, and Isaiah's just, uh, he's 27 now almost. And, um, and that man abandoned her, and then a year later, she ends up with another guy, and then she doesn't, she's not living, she doesn't have any purpose, broken, dysfunctional family, doesn't know what life's about. She ends up with another guy, because maybe this guy is going to help me. I don't know what life's about. Maybe he's going to be the right person for me, and she ends up pregnant again, feeling as foolish as she communicates this and will in the days to come here at our church. I'm going to have her share her story, but now she's 18, and she's got two children from two different men and feels foolish, horrible shameful. She has a dysfunctional home, these two men that have abandoned her, and she goes years and years down the road. 1997, there's a woman that lives in her condo complex, and she continued to invite her to church, her and her mom, broken. My wife was broken. Had nobody else taking care of her, nobody else speaking life into her. She felt shameful. She felt horrible. She felt like many of us have felt or do feel tonight. And she finally said, well, what could be worse? Going to church? Why not? 
So she takes the invitation, and guess what season it was? Advent season. Sometimes we don't realize, if you're a Christian here in the house tonight, you don't realize who's, who's here. Sometimes we don't, we're not reminded of what life was like. I'm reminded all the time of what life was like for me before I said yes to Jesus. I know very well who I was. She came to Mill Creek Foursquare Church up in Linwood, Washington, and it wasn't long before she said yes to Jesus. And she found that the church was not just a building and a property and a people that were against everything in the world, like the media likes to say. She found that there were people there that loved her, that wanted what was best for her, people that took care of her boys, people that became fathers, people became brothers and sisters. She found a people and not just a place. She found a family. And that's the same thing that happened to me. That's the same that happened to many of us. Tonight, the best thing that I know how to do to celebrate the birth of Jesus is number one, invite us into a moment where we reflect on just how awesome his coming truly is, amen? But the second thing is to speak to you tonight, and if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never said yes, and you know that there's that darkness, not just because you're bad, but because we're bad. We were created for more. Eternally speaking, death doesn't make sense to any of us because we were created for life, eternal life. So I'm asking you the question tonight, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you allowed his light to penetrate your darkness? Ben, are you saying that I'm full of darkness? I'm saying that every person on the planet has a darkness that needs to be dispelled, and there is only one person that has the power to do it. That's what I'm saying. Ben, how could you say that? Because I've experienced it, and I've walked in it for 21 years. I never wanted to be a pastor. I ended up here. Isn't that awesome? You're welcome. <laughs> I'm a pastor because I love Jesus, and I'm a pastor because I love people. And everything in me just yearns to share the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close? Thank you, Lord. I just want to give a moment for response. I'm not taking you very long here tonight. We're actually wrapping up, but this is very, very important. And I want to use this moment to ask you that question, but I also want to ask you to respond. As we're here tonight, if you have not given your life to Jesus and you want to, we can't make you. I would never try. That, that's offensive. I, I wouldn't push you, but I can invite you, and I am inviting you. If you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, what I'm asking you to do right now in this moment is just to slip up your hand so that I can see you. I just want to see your hand. Say, Ben, tonight's the night. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm so glad I'm here to do just that. I'm just going to wait for a few seconds. Just go ahead and slip your hand up. I want to see you. I want to make sure that we connect. Just give you a moment. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just make sure you get my attention. We don't do hype or manipulation or pressure or emotionalism, nor am I going to make you come up here and stand up in front of everybody and give your story. I just want you to have this moment. You came here for whatever reason, and you may not have that relationship. I want you to be able to leave today with the relationship with Jesus. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. If it's something that is on your heart and you're still questioning it, let me just say this to you. I'm going to pray, but after that, after the service is over, I'll be up here, 
between services, and I would love to meet you. I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you. I would love to answer questions. You might say, well, Ben, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I have some questions. I may not have all the answers, but I'm certainly glad to be here with you. Father, we thank you tonight for your love. I pray over every heart that's in this building, every heart that's watching us by live stream. We thank you that you came into this world because you were the light of the world to dispel the darkness of our lives. And that message brings us hope, not only for this life, but for eternal life. You want to answer our needs. You want to restore us. You want to bring us back into purpose. You want to build that relationship back that you originally created us for. And so tonight, we just join our hearts, our hearts with you, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to further reveal that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And we thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. See, someone, someone beat you guys to it. I want you to know, Jesus said, even the rocks will cry out, the babies will get there first. Tonight, we've been celebrating uh, every week the Advent season, and what we do is we light the, we have an Advent wreath, and we light a candle, and uh, isn't it fitting? Jesus is the light of the world. As we do that, we remember who he is in our lives, and the first week, we got to light the candle of hope. Oh, oh, we got to light it, though, you know, and the second week, we lit the candle of Okay, I'm glad you guys know. And the third week, we lit the candle of joy. That's right. Participation is good tonight. And the fourth candle last week was the candle of love. And tonight, we light the Christ candle. Christ candle represents, it's white. It represents purity, holiness, who Jesus is in our life, the fullness of Jesus. And we thank him for what he's done. I'm going to have some come from the drama team. And um, did you have a candle? Has everybody got their candles passed out? They're all passed out, yeah. The drama team's going to come, and they're actually going to light their candles from the Christ candle. And they're going to head out. Would you stand? They're going to head out into the aisles. And just some instructions real quick so that we're very careful. You need to... Put your candle sideways to light your candle. Otherwise, we're going to have a wax problem among us. So please do that and keep your candle away from other people as much as possible because that would create another problem and we want our fire department to be at peace tonight. Thank you, Lord. They're going to go out and do this right now. Jesus was and is the light in the darkness. As we light these candles tonight, we're saying that together. We're saying that together. We're going to sing Silent Night, Jonathan. I just wanted to clarify, if you are still looking for candles, they're only on the aisles. So stop looking. <laughs> Let's sing together.
second verse, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory streams from heaven sing one more verse. We're going to sing just the voices. Silent night. Silent night. Holy night. Son of God. Love's pure light. Radiant be from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace Jesus Lord at thy birth oh Jesus Lord Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. We love you because we know that you love us. You sent your one and only son. We worship you. You are the light of the world. And we pray tonight that you would dispel the darkness of our lives because of sin and the lives of those that have yet to know you. We also pray that you would dispel the darkness in this region, in this city, and in our world, help us to become a part of what you're doing by spreading your glorious gospel. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... We're so glad you were able to join us today. We would like you to find out more about Northwest Church by going to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or downloading our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.